0: Alright, welcome back in Garage Talk Podcast. This is episode 20. Damn it, now I forgot. 25. I think it's 25. Welcome, JR Godley. How are you, buddy? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Got a chance to see you recently here because you were volunteering to help out in our phone bank for the St. Jude Radiothon, and that was pretty awesome of you to come help out again, and you've been helping out for years.
1: Yeah, we look forward to it every year, man. When that email
0: comes out, we're right on it. So you work for the uh, Central Point Police Department, and uh, is it right that you're working over at the high school? Yep, doing the SRO gig right now for at least another nine months or so. What does the SRO stand
1: for? School Resource Officer. How'd you end up over there? Well, like, about five years ago when my son was in high school, you know, and coaching football and stuff, uh, there was an open spot, and I went to the chief and said, hey, I'd like to, you know, do the SRO gig for a while, and... It just made sense man like get off at four o'clock every day go to practice you know spend time with the kids while they're playing sports and um it just made a lot of sense for me as far as what i wanted to do after work so
0: hold on one second i gotta get this thing opened up here so i can get cozy that's it all right we're gonna come back to that a little bit later on but i want to start out by kind of going back to central point you grew up in central point
1: yep yep been there uh pretty much my whole life other than military time went to richardson scenic and crater what was it like growing up there for you man you know central point was a little bit smaller back then you know i remember coming home and seeing the pilot for the first time and i thought man what are we doing <laughs> you know who's putting this thing in here you know but it was cool man you know we I grew up in a neighborhood by uh may richardson and you know probably like a lot of small-town neighborhoods around America, man. We played wiffle ball and Nerf football from light post to light post, you know, till dark. Yeah. And um, grew up with some older kids in the neighborhood, and, you know, that's all we did, man, play sports.
0: Pretty special time, I think, you know, growing up when you grew up, which you're just a couple of years older than me, you know, mm-hmm. I like to look at it as there's these, you know, windows in time, and, and you look back at the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the different mm-hmm. – you know, kind of generations that are out there. And we were kind of like that last wave before technology really exploded. Yep. I mean, we got to experience Nintendo and you know, some Sega Genesis and maybe a little Mm -hmm. Atari before that. But really for the most part, we didn't have, you know, that, that age range from late thirties to, you know, mid forties, there's kind of that, that little window in there where we're definitely not millennials. And we're definitely not baby boomers. I don't don't want to
1: be put in that category. (laughs) Right.
0: So it's just that time where there still wasn't all those distractions. So we still spent a lot of time outside. And I'm sure for you, much like myself, had a chance to spend some time, you know, up in the woods and playing in the snow and doing Brodies in the mud holes and all those things that you do when you grow up in a small town. Heck yeah, man. I mean, our vacations when I was a kid, you know, we went
1: to Disneyland the first time, I think my sophomore year in high school. But before that, our vacations were fishing and hunting. Yeah. Like elk season, if we weren't playing sports, we got to go with dad and grandpa. If we were fishing, you know, we were up on the river or we were at the lake or the coast, Gold Beach all summer. I mean, that's where, you know, every summer I'd go over there and work for a friend of ours at Gold Beach in his boat since I was 12, 13, 14 years old, make money and probably learn things I shouldn't have learned. You know, like that's where I... Learn to be a man, you know, hanging out with the river
0: guides, I guess, you know, I don't know. Now it's making a little more sense. At first I wasn't sure what you were talking about, (laughs) but I think I probably learned a lot of those things while I was bucking hay with the older football players that would come out and buck hay. And so we'd have the juniors and seniors bucking hay. And then we were in sixth grade, fifth grade, maybe junior high. And I remember hanging out with those guys thinking, man, Whoa, okay. What are they talking about? Yeah, you learn the ropes a little (laughs) bit, and then you get a little bit older, and then you start to understand exactly what they were talking about. And there's some of those memories that I'll never forget.
1: Never. I mean, it's priceless, man, and and there's not enough of it anymore, you know. I mean, I look at my kids, and I'm like, hey, you know, you guys, you know, they're working at, you know, hemp farms and doing stuff, you know, they're getting paid more money than I've ever seen a high school kid get paid, you know, or – You know, you're pushing them, hey, go get a job, go get a job. Well, nobody haying anymore. Yeah. There's nobody bucking hay.
0: Well, that's because the hemp farms have taken over a lot of the hay fields and now there's a hay shortage. Got it. You know? Yeah. It's just so much different with the technology. And I was watching a couple videos. One of them was this morning and it was a guy that has a daughter and she's a teenager and she's sitting there, you know. And right now I just picked up my phone to use it as an example, but staring into the phone, doing the video or whatever and it's TikTok now and we're just so entertained by this device and you know mm-hmm. we're all guilty of it to a certain extent but mm-hmm. there's so much time spent on here that there's not as much time spent outside and just learning how to just socialize and and just get out there and experience things. It's really too bad.
1: It is man. You know I work night shift you know back when I was working on the street and you didn't see kids out playing. You know you don't. you drive around neighborhoods there's nobody outside playing anymore and I don't know if it's a fear of I don't want to let my kids out by their self or is it parents, you know, or us as parents getting lazy too to where we don't want to be outside with them.
0: I think that's you probably know? part of it, you know, and I've tried to do a better job, especially more recently. Cause I think I realized, especially with work and working almost mm-hmm. too much is how often, even just last night I was outside just barbecuing some hot dogs for the kids and just standing out there. And I was thinking to myself, man, I haven't really done this in a while and not because it's winter time, but last mm-hmm. summer, We just gobbled up by work and doing things and like, man, I'm standing out here at this, you know, pretty nice spot where I can see the sunset and just take it in for a second. Mm -hmm. Just sit there and just do nothing. Yeah. And there's something special about just sitting and hanging out. And I feel like we're in such a hurry these days. We got to get to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Sure. And you just don't just don't sit on the tailgate. And I know it sounds kind of, you know, yeah. Hey, hillbilly, you know, but Hey, that's what we did. You know, you just, just sit around, you just sit around and shoot the shit. And That's when you learned about the things you shouldn't be learning about or whatever. Yeah, the
1: patio, man. Barbecue, patio, fire pits. Yeah. I mean, more things are probably learned there than they ever are in a classroom. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, we try to keep our kids involved and stuff, and we're always on the go, too, with my job and her job and the kids of sports and FFA or 4-H and, you know, just all that stuff. And now, you know, you get in such a hurry yourself And I think one thing that we, you know, myself and my wife, Sarah, have really done is try to make sure our kids are involved in stuff and we keep them busy and not worried about what we're doing. You know, they, we try to put our lives aside for what they're doing to make sure that they get to do what they want, Mm -hmm. you know, in a sense. But, um, I think just sometimes, you know, like you say, we get in a hurry and our lives are more important than theirs yeah. in an aspect, you know, and I think that's a lot of it these days. You know, I mean, I remember my parents, I mean, all they cared about was getting us to the next tournament or the next game. Yeah. You know, they never did nothing their And I guess I could appreciate that, you know, now that I look
0: back on it. Well, and it probably gave you a lot of opportunities to do things that maybe other kids don't get to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for me growing up, I mean, I wasn't a school guy. You know, I didn't have the best grades, man. All I really cared about is when my next baseball game was, basketball game, football game, you know. I mean, I was just a sports guy. You know, that's all I wanted to do. That yeah. and I, I, when I got to high school, I had a couple buddies that talked me into rodeo. And I thought, <laughs> oh, man, I'll be the next bull rider, you know. How'd that go? It, it never went good. Yeah. And then when I moved to North Carolina, when I was in the Marine Corps, I learned to ride for real, you know, and I loved it. But, um Yeah, I always had something going, man. Like, I was always, like, I guess friends with everybody, you know. I had a lot of friends. I grew up country. You know, my buddies were country. I was country. We went to rodeos. We did, you know, four-buying or whatever. But then in another sense, you know, some of the guys I grew up with playing sports were just normal city kids, you know. So, I mean, I did it as much as I could. I was always busy. I didn't want to be at home. <laughs> I knew if I was at home, I was doing more chores. Oh, you know. And I'm like, dude, my dad's going to make me rake leaves. And then I'd have to talk my friend Damon into coming over and said, hey, man, help me rake these leaves so we get out of here. You yeah, know? The sooner you get so, the <laughs> chores done, the yeah. sooner you can get out and yeah, do something. Yeah, you know, and then we started raising pigs and doing 4-H and FFA. And I don't know, man. We were busy. What was your experience like raising pigs? You know, me and my brother had a couple sows. And... um it always seemed like when I was in, towards later on in high school, the damn pigs would always come when my parents were out of town with my brother's stuff. So I'd be the only one home. And you had to handle they it? You had to handle it. You know, like, uh, you know, 12, one night I remember, and a good friend of mine, Brandon Ayers, and I, we had went to the junior rodeo, and we were messing around or doing whatever. And we come home, and we might have been doing stuff we shouldn't have did, so we went to bed a little earlier than what we thought. And uh, I woke up in a panic the next morning, and I thought, oh, my God, the pigs. She's supposed to have the pigs last night. We were supposed to be watching them. I go out there. There's like 12 pigs running around, umbilical cords hanging off of them oh. still, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, thank God they're all alive because my mom and dad would have died, you know. So we went out there and clipped umbilical cords and did our thing or whatever, you know. But, I mean, just I look back at those times, man, and it is priceless. Yeah. Like, I had so much fun as a kid growing up there in Central Point, you know. Um, you know, it's funny now I'm a police officer, I guess. And I look back and I said, damn, sixth grade, seventh grade. I remember sneaking out of my friend's house, hiding from the cops, you know, chasing us by the middle school, you know, Mm -hmm. and now it's hilarious. Some of those guys were there when I first got hired. So kind of cool that chased you guys around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you share any good stories with them? Oh yeah. We used to tell them, I mean, you know, there's a few guys I work with that did the same thing. They grew up in Central Point, right? Like there's I think five of us or six of us that grew up in Central Point, you know, back in the day in the nineties and maybe a little late eighties. But, uh, when we all used to get together, you know, we'd always say, you know, officer Dan, he used to chase us around, you know, and, you know, Another detective now that was a police, you know, a patrolman back then. He the used low to, end of the total. Yeah, pole. I remember when you pulled me over, you SOB, you know, for <laughs> nothing. You know, because we had three guys in the front seat of a little pickup, you know. And, you know, just stuff like that. We still harass him, you know. He's still there, you know, 35 years later, man. The guy's still working. It's like, but it's cool, man. It's yeah. really
0: cool being there. Yeah, I know that I had some really good experiences in 4-H with pigs. And just a lot of life lessons, you know. Yeah. You learn when you have to raise your own animals and take care of them and, and you just kind of learned responsibility early on. and Yeah, it was my, good thing. my
1: youngest's first year last year doing 4-H. How was that? And uh, it was, it was uh, a life lesson for him. You know, he got too attached to that pig. Ooh. You know, and my wife, she was attached to it too. And it came to one point like, hey, I don't know if we could sell him. I thought, well, that's the whole gig, that's you know part like' of the that's it, we raise it, we sell it, somebody else takes the meat, you know, yeah, but we we went, take the money, yeah, we went through so much with that thing, you know, it got hurt, and we had to nurse it through some problems, you know, and stuff, but we didn't know if it was going to sell, and we get it to the fair, you know, and he does really good, well, after the auction night, it kind of hit him, you know, like, uh, oh, he's not going to be here tomorrow when we come back, yeah. so you know it was, it's a sad thing and and I could appreciate the whole thing because. It teaches you so much responsibility, empathy, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a whole line of things that you're going through how to, you know, take this pig from 45 pounds to 280 pounds and you're raising it. You got to do things right. Mm -hmm. You want to compete, you know, so the competitiveness comes out in you.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, mostly the moms, right? Like the moms, (laughs) you know, you go to the four H and you're in the barn. It's the moms that are most competitive dad's cool calm collective moms you can see it in their face you know in it to win it yeah and so you know it was cool man and i'm so glad that my boys got into it my oldest never wanted nothing to do with it but he was three sports constantly we were gone all the time football baseball wrestling all the time
0: well that make it hard especially in yeah. the summertime when you have to go to the fair and take care of business
1: yeah and you know he he was gone all the time so and that was you know the choice that he he made and and we allowed him to make and we just off we'd go you know we had wrestling tournaments since he was 6 years old we we're baseball all stars and then right into football you know and now he's a grown man he's 21 man? in a month and a half he's in the coast guard man oh good yeah, for him he's up in Newport Oregon right now um awesome
0: super proud when you were in high school did you know you were going to go in the military or how did that all come
1: about? <clears throat> I didn't, you know, when I, I knew I, I wanted to play college baseball and I had, you know, could have went and played football or baseball. And I, you know, I thought, well, you know, I think I'll last longer playing baseball. Well, what I didn't know when I got to college is baseball in college is almost year round. Like I wasn't getting a break, you know? And so after two years of playing, I thought, man, I, I'm done with it. I want to go home. I want to go fishing. I want to go hunting. I want to go back to Oregon. You know, I was down in Susanville, California, in and in College. <clears throat> I came home, and I realized, you know, hey, this ain't for me, man. College ain't for me. I'm just partying it up, hanging out with my buddies, you know, doing things. And I thought it's time time for me to go do something. So I literally went in the first part of March, met the, or April, met the recruiter. Three weeks later, I shipped out. It was just that quick. Like, I, I knew that college wasn't for me, and I didn't really want to work. And, uh, my cousin's husband, he was in the Marine Corps and he was talking to me one day in the kitchen. I mean, we were just talking about it a couple of weeks ago and, uh, he was sitting there talking. He's like, Hey man, you know, you should go down and talk to a Marine recruiter if you don't want to go to college. So, ah, let's go do it. What the hell? You know, three weeks later, I'm on the yellow footprints in San Diego going, what the hell? What did I get myself? What into? did I just do? And honestly, four years in the Marine Corps active duty. And then I came home started working, you know, before I got activated and sent over to Iraq. But it was, uh, I'd never trade it for nothing. Never. You know, I tell every kid, I said, if you're not going to college, you need to go to the military. Don't sit around here and say that I'm going to wait a year or I'm going to try to figure out what's going on. I'm going to work, you know, whatever, just go do something. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I never, I'll never regret it. You know, it was some of the awesome times I've had in my life.
0: What was it like going overseas? <clears throat> it was, it was weird,
1: you know, at first because, you know, I'm living a normal life with my wife and kids, two of them, uh, you know, we're building our first house. And, um, I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm kind of missing the Marine Corps. You know, what are we doing? You know, we're struggling right now cause we're bouncing around job to job, you know? So you had already
0: been in and you
1: got out, got out. Okay. And, um, I got out in 2001 in, uh, April so 9-11 happens, and I was working for a heating and air company out of Grants Pass here. Or I'm sorry, communications company out of Grants Pass here. And I was working night, so I was sleeping. I remember my wife calling me. saying, hey, you need to turn the TV on. Oh, something boy. So happened. happened. Oh, are you kidding me? So I figured I'd get called back then because I was still on the inactive reserve, right, for four years and didn't get a call. So 2002 came around. I told her, I said, yeah, I'm missing the Marine Corps, man. I need to figure something out. Well, my cousin's husband, he said, hey, you know. One of my bosses over here, police department, he goes, he's the, the commanding officer at the Eugene reserve unit. You should go check him out, man. It's only once a month, two weeks a year, right? Like how fun could that be? So we went up there December 22nd and, uh, July 4th, 2003, I got the call and we're building our house. You know, they said, Hey, we just got activated and we're going overseas. And I'm like, oh. and the guy's on the phone, he says, you know, you don't have to go because you're not, your paperwork's not done. And I thought about it for about two seconds. And I thought, There's no way I'm turning it down, you know. This is what I trained for. This is, this is who I am.
0: So, did you feel an obligation to your country to go? I, or is- I did.
1: You know, I, I already I was a United States Marine. And I really, you know, me and the wife, we talked about getting out like a 100 times, like when the time was coming. And I didn't have a lot of options when I was on active duty. They wanted to ship me to recruiting duty to the south. Or we could go to Okinawa for three years. And I'm like, neither one of those sound great about raising my family. So that's why we came home, you know. And um, I thought about it, man, two seconds at least. And I thought, there's no way. I'm going. Sign me up. So I joined the reserve unit in Eugene. Flew to San Diego for about two weeks and then off to Kuwait. Waited in Kuwait till March and the president said go. And there we were crossed over the second day so what was that like uh life-changing you know what i mean like from the first day going through wire i'll never forget that night you know i mean we drove for like 18 hours partly because you can't go very fast right like you're on roads that aren't really roads um you're following chem lights that a unit in front of you is marking out landmines and different things along the rivers and you know whatnot so i remember you know driving with a uh, night vision for the first time like i'd never did it before and it was just uh scary you know like hey i'm i'm you know i had the vehicle as myself because i was the radio sergeant and then the CO and first sergeant was behind me with another um uh lieutenant that did kind of uh logistics stuff or whatever right he's riding with us and I thought, man, one bad turn, it's not going to be good for us, you know, and a super slow moving. And it was just like, it seemed like it was days and days and days, you know, it's that we were driving, this, like 18 hours, yeah, you know? And, um, the first 30 days we were there, we got a meal a day and a bottle of water because the army couldn't keep up with us, you know, from where we entered Iraq and from where they were, <clears throat> it was quite a ways so first 30 days you know it was a meal a day and a bottle of water a day and that's just how it was you know and i we were just talking something the other day a friend of mine i work with you know he did a lot of tours over there and a lot of bad stuff and you know we were talking about showers you know and somebody at work says you know what was it like man how do you not shower? i said dude i didn't have a shower for 54 days
0: God, 54, 54 days. days holy
1: smokes and the only thing you had was baby wipes you know Well, that's better than nothing, I guess. Strip down, wash up, and baby wipes, you know. And I guess the first week, you know, when when you cross into, you know, a zone like that, you know. And the thing is, like, I tell people when I was there was the first six, seven months of the war, right? You didn't have the IEDs yet. Those weren't the big thing, you know. It was just straight up fighting. And um, I guess the biggest thing is, like, when you really cross into a war zone like that, you know, and yeah, I mean the Iraqis weren't smart. I mean, their tanks are out in the open. Our aircraft is just, you know, blowing the piss out of them, Mm -hmm. you know? And when you see that it's like, holy shit, this is for real. Like we're, we're in combat. We're getting it on. Yeah. This is, this is for real stuff, you know? And these Marines are out in front of us fighting and the tanks are with us. Like I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm with a reserve unit and a bunch of college kids. Why are we with the tanks out here? You know, but I tell you what, some of those guys were tenfold over any of the active duty Marines that I worked with.
0: Why is that?
1: Intelligence. Like, they were all smart kids. And, you know, I guess, like, they were trying to gain life experience. And a lot of the guys that were on active duty with me didn't. Like, they just went right in the Marine Corps out of high school. You know what I
0: mean? So that's all they really knew.
1: Yeah, so these guys were intelligent, man. They worked hard. They knew their stuff, you know. So whoever had been training them at these reserve units, they were doing real. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they did a great job. And, uh, yeah, so there we were, man. And our mission when we got up towards Baghdad was go find missiles and blow them up. And that's what we did. So, did it get
0: pretty hairy at
1: times <clears> or was it? Uh, you know, the, the couple times that I really thought, holy hell, We're not going to go home was in Baghdad. You know, I mean, we were just getting there after, you know, the takeover of the airfield and pulling the statue down and that whole thing you see on Mm -hmm. TV still to this day. Right. And when we crossed the river, we were coming into fighting holes where, you know, the Republican Guard, they just dropped their uniforms and they were blending into society. And that was the scary part. That was where we knew this stuff was about to get real here. Cause you would see them start blending into society and they started coming out. And you're like, Hey, that's a well-groomed male, right? Fighting age. He's his health, you know, you could tell he's been eating, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, that's when I guess for most of us, it was kind of like, this is, this is, you know, we need to watch what we're doing in Baghdad. Like there's a lot of places. And, um, you know, I had a close call one, one day and, uh, eye-opening like holy shit man you know think the big man upstairs and I'm going home to my family you know Mm -hmm. but uh it was it was crazy over there man like they luckily they couldn't shoot worth a shit I guess you could say (laughs) you know I mean they tried but um you know the most I guess it was just uh, a super learning experience about other cultures too you know and about what those people were living under with Saddam Hussein right like We, we went into the Republican guard head, uh, like their headquarters training area. And that's where we set up camp and the army was with us. And so we went walking around, you know, kind of just clearing buildings and doing whatever and come into by their cafeteria, man. And you walk into a storage unit and all this baby formula stacked up floor to the wall. And it was all from the UN. It was all this stuff that they're shipping over there for their people. Well, he was taking it and giving it to his soldiers you know, and giving them their nutri- nutrients through mm-hmm. it, basically, you know. And, you know, that for me was like, man, this guy is, this guy is bad. He's as so, bad as but, they, as they you say. Know, yeah, he's is. as bad as he is. And, uh, you know, I got a picture at home that I'm super proud of, man, that we took, and uh, we took a picture next to Saddam Hussein's life-size photo painted on a brick thing, and it's, it has, uh, you know, Oregon ducks on it. Spring Break, 2003. We painted on there, and it's badass. And, That's
0: awesome. You know, I can't imagine so. what that must have felt like as a guy who grew up in Central Point. And a lot of these guys, you know, mm-hmm. I talked to Brennan Cork about what it was like and being in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Like you see stuff on TV, and I don't know that anyone really expects to be right there on the doorstep of Saddam Hussein's playground. Yeah. No, you know? it,
1: it's it's crazy, man. How those people live. You know and um i remember meeting this family in an alleyway one day we were pulling some missiles out of this uh, alleyway by their house and the man was american educated he went to nyu and he was a professor at the university there and he had three daughters and the stories that he was telling us you know about their soldiers coming door to door You know, and the things that they would try to do or, you know, hiding his family and, you know, just the things that they go through, taking their food, taking anything that they wanted. Unbelievable. You know, and you go village to village to village there, town to town, I guess, you know where you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Because when you came into a town, they're cheering and clapping and you're like, okay, this is, we're good. You go into some of these smaller areas and they're turning your back when you're driving into town. You're like, okay. We got to be careful. Something's about to go down. So, you know, I mean, you go, like you said, Central Point, Oregon to Baghdad in a hurry. And um, it, you didn't expect it, I guess, you know?
0: That had to be kind of surreal, especially at your age, because with us being close in age, obviously, Desert Storm mm-hmm. is something that I remember, mm-hmm. and that didn't last very long. But right. to see that back then on TV, and that was back when there's what only a couple of channels for the most part, and yeah. I mean you had cable TV, but it was what everyone was watching when that happened. And then fast forward years down the road, and then you're over there. Yeah, has to be just surreal. It's
1: it's still uh, like you know now. I mean, you, and I'm sure like Brendan and those guys can tell you, you know, there's smells and there's you know certain things on TV that are I you know th- that you can tell what's right and what's wrong. -hmm. And I guess that's what drives me nuts because I like watching war movies. And when I'm watching certain ones that are about Iraq or whatever, I'm like, where'd they film this at? You know, because that doesn't look like it. Yeah. But there's certain smells and stuff that trigger you over there that are totally different than here because it's just the lifestyle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you go down to a meat market there and everything's hanging outside flies all over it and nobody could give a crap, you know, they cut it off and eat it. You and know? they still survive. Isn't yeah. that something? And here, you know, we're like, oh, my God, it's two days old. Throw it away. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's just, those people are just, you know, and some of them, man, all they wanted was freedom, you know. They just wanted to live like us. But, uh, you know, there was ones that were, they didn't want us there. They don't want us there running their country. You know what I mean? They were fine with what's going on.
0: And I don't know that I can blame them. I guess I kind of see no. both sides. Yeah. And as someone who's never been there, I could see how, you know, if, if another country came rolling up in here, how we'd feel about that. But also we don't live under the same set of standards that they do. No. So no,
1: Not even close. You know what I mean? Like, I would you know, little kids would come up and they'd want candy from us or whatnot, you know, and we'd give them some stuff. And then these older guys would come over and slap the crap out of them right in front of you. You know, like literally beat them for wow. talking to us or whatever, and you're like, uh-uh. You know, that's not happening on my watch. Yeah, Come on over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, uh, I don't know. You're not going to do that in front of us. But, you know, I felt that little bit of tension because, you know, there there's a lot of uh, people over there that are real timid. You know what I mean? That Like that culture is not – you go into a house, and you know, you're talking to the man of the house, and that's it. You don't talk to nobody else. You don't make eye contact with nobody else. You know what I mean? But – when you go into that situation and you have, you know, people hiring our military that are taking over as their mayors and, you know, in their cities and stuff like that, you know, I guess a little pride, mm-hmm. you know, it hits you. Like, you wouldn't want that. No, no. Somebody comes here, next thing you know, they're the mayor of Central Point because we can't handle our own country. Yeah. Not right. You and know what I mean? It, like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and then
0: if we end up bailing at some point. And then coming back and doing it again, I could see how they would lose trust. It's just a complicated situation. Super,
1: man. It's all, you know, I look at it now and I'm I'm glad that some of our guys are coming home and they're not stuck over there doing things that they don't really need to do anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as far as my opinion, but.
0: You only do so much. And at some point you have to let them sink or swim on their own. Yeah. And whether you agree with us going or not, at some point it's up to them Mm -hmm. how it's going to move forward.
1: Yeah. You know, we try to train them, but. There's just so much corruption over there from different countries. As soon as oh, yeah. you leave, I mean, they just hop the fence from Syria or Iran. How do you control it? Mm-hmm. You know, we never will. They've been fighting for hundreds and hundreds
0: and hundreds of years. Yeah, they have to want change, and there's just certain factions that don't want change no. at all. Yeah. I, I don't know that we can ever change it. Yeah. So when was it when you came home? What year was it that uh, you, you I, came home and got out of the military?
1: I came home in 2003 in the summertime. Um and then I guess I took a couple months, about a month off from work when I got back, you know, kind of just chill out, you know, try to acclimatize, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, you know, get back into the root of things. Um, and then I went back to work and I remember it was about a year later, they were getting activated again, but I was getting out and they, you know, I said, Hey man, enough is enough. I gotta, I gotta get my family going here. You know what I mean? I need a job. And at the time, in 2005, I was in the process of hiring process at Central Point BD. And I actually turned down to go overseas because I was in the process. And, you know, thank God I did because I have a great job. And, I mean, who doesn't want to work in their hometown, you know? So that's I been chase really cool. Chase the kids for around me.
0: that are terrorizing Central Point. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Now I feel like the old man, you know?
0: What well, was that, 15
1: years ago? Yeah, already. 15 years ago, March 7th. And so what made you want to get into law enforcement? You know, honestly, when I was going to college, man, I wanted to be a physical fitness health teacher, you know. But one day, and and it's the craziest thing, it's probably pretty stupid, but I had to take an anatomy class. And I said, hell no, (laughs) I ain't doing that. So I was like, man, what other electives can I take? So I took a crim class, Mm -hmm. fell in love with it. Done deal, you know, mm-hmm. and it was really the closest thing to the military that I could possibly do, you know, without doing private stuff overseas, you know, but, um, it was just the, you know, it was that, you know, we firefighting, you know what I mean? Like the, there's a team, you know, that type of team atmosphere and the camaraderie and all that kind of stuff. That's what drew me to me. Yeah. And that's where I was. So been there 15 years
0: did you take to it pretty quickly or what was that kind of transition like for you um actually
1: like it was hard for me at first because i knew a lot of people growing up you know in central point so when i first got hired there you know and i'm in training and i had to write a ticket to i'll never forget it to a guy i've known like my whole life but i didn't want to like not give him a ticket go back to my fto and say hey I know this guy. I can't give him a ticket. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't like want to give up. So I'm like, I'm kind of, yeah, talking out the side of my mouth to this guy. Like, hey, man, I'm sorry, but here's your, t- I got to give you a ticket, you know. <laughs> but it was hard for me at first, honestly, because I knew so many people, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's helped me more than it's hurt me, you know, over the years. um, And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I just go talk to people. And I think it's made made my transition into being a police officer, like, real easy for me, you know? Like, I I don't have a problem getting up and going to work, you know? Like, it's just, I know the possibilities could be there of things happening that might happen, might not happen, but I knew, you know, I know when I go to work each day that, one, I can make a difference in somebody's life, whether it's a kid or an adult, You know, because there's a lot of adults out there that are just as lost as some of the kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And over the years, I mean, you know, you you build a relationship with people around town. You build trust with them. And uh, especially in the municipality, right? Like our town is 18,000 people, but it's really small if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going out, building trust, talking with people, taking the time to know who they are and that kind of stuff that's the easy part, you know,
0: are there situations that stick out in your mind as either really good things that happen? Like there is a situation that maybe you were able to help someone. And then also after that, on the opposite side of the spectrum, where you kind of like when you're overseas where you wonder, okay, tonight, not a good night. And a situation that really sticks out in your mind. Is, um, yeah. You know, I had a, Uh,
1: this girl that grew up at Crater and stuff, and um, I still stay kind of in contact with her. When she comes to town, she always comes to say hi, you know, but she had a rough time with some family back and forth, you know, like she was kind of like on this, you know, wanted to leave, wanted to go do this. And I remember one night I went to her house and her mom was, you know, called us because she was going kind of crazy in the bedroom or whatnot and wanted to move out and do this and that. And, you know, I had a talk with her. I remember sitting her down on the bed and, And I told her, I said, you know, your brother's in the room next door, your younger brother. Is this how you want him to grow up and be? Because he looks up to you, you know. And I had a talk with her, and, uh, you know, and I told her, and she said, you know, I graduate. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I just feel like this and that. And I told her, I said, you know, maybe you should, you know, look at the military, you know. I mean you're a badass. Like, you know, you should do it. So she did it. She come into the office one day and, uh, the girls up front said, Hey, you know, so-and-so's out front and want to talk to you. I was, okay. So I went out and talked to her and she said, Hey, so want to let you know I'm leaving for boot camp next week. And I said, really? She goes, yeah. And I want to thank you. You know, and I said, well, I appreciate it. You know, she gave me a hug and she left. And, um, I don't know how many years went by when she was gone in the military, but, she comes back, and there were some bad things that happened in the military with her, you know, some bad things. And uh, she, uh, we started responding to calls and stuff at her house, you know. And I thought, damn, what did I do, you know? I talked her into going to the military. What the hell was I thinking? And for a year or so, I really thought, like, maybe i just keep my mouth shut, <laughs> you know. Like, why, why did I tell her to do that? Because mm-hmm. I felt terrible, you know. I mean, she's really... You know, she fighting PTSD, suicide, you know, different things going on, alcoholism, you know, whatever. And I'm like, damn it. You know, that was one time that I really thought, you know, at first I was super happy. Like I did something right. You know, like I told this girl to do it. She's going to do it. She's going to, you know, and then when she came home, I'm like, oh my God. So I guess for me, that was kind of a, a wake up call. Like, dude, I really need to like, think about what I'm telling people. The advice I'm giving somebody I don't really know too well, mm-hmm. you know. But um, now, I mean, she has fought through it. She has awesome husband, who grew up in Central Point. They now live down in Vegas, and she has a baby, and they're doing unbelievable. Actually, I got invited to her wedding about a year and a half ago, two years ago now, two and a half years. And uh, yeah, were you able was, to go? Yeah, I went to the wedding, man. That's awesome, Country Club, dude. It was it was. Went with a couple friends of mine that are kind of related to her or whatever. And it was cool to see it, man. Like her transition, you know, she really, she had a bad, like um, she fought and fought and fought and fought through some tough times, you know, and uh, dealing with the police and herself. And, um, yeah, so it's kind of cool to see her now growing up with the family and uh, super awesome um, times that, you know. I've regretted, You know, yeah, there's times I regretted, you know, mistakes that I've made that I thought, you know, I guess not even really thoughts, but just thankfulness is sometimes like, you know, guys with the, you've gotten your calls just like any other officer would or whatever. And you think about, man, if I would have pulled the trigger, what I would have did, you mm-hmm. know, thank God I took that extra couple seconds, you know, and, uh, I haven't been involved in any you know, hairy situations and central point where I've had to use my handgun or my rifle or anything, you know, thank God. Um, but you know, the guys that do, I just like, man, just got to pray for him, man, because it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen some, uh, you know, a guy that I worked with, man, I seen him, he just could never could get over it, you know, it's hard for him. Yeah.
0: Long process. I'm sure. Super. So
1: I don't know, you know, I hope that I never have to go through it to be honest with you, you know, um, it's just uh, it's one of those things man like you know you're on the right side of the fence or the wrong side of the fence or whatever the case may be but every time one of those incidents go down it's critic time right it's back seat quarterback in and you don't know what the community is going to say or who's going to support you who's not going to support you you know and I guess that's the hard thing for me is like I'm tired of being second guest in law mm-hmm. enforcement. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying that every shooting across America is the right thing. You know I mean? There's been some big cases in the news, you know, over the past couple of years, but it's, I wish we could go out and train the community, right. Inform them of what we're going through in that split second. You know what I mean? Like I want them to be in that situation and see what entails that split second. That may, we have to make up our mind,
0: Life or death.
1: Life or death. Am I going home to my family? Am I going to have to kill this guy? You know, what are you going through? You know, and it's impossible to put anybody in your shoes. It's impossible to sit there and go, well, I know what that guy feels like. No, you don't.
0: And until it happens, nobody, there's not one person out there that can no. say, I know what that's like because they don't. No. And And when you see someone go through it, like what happened with Brendan, mm-hmm. you know, and he talked about it enough when Mm -hmm. he was in here and you could tell how hard of a situation that was for him. Mm -hmm. And he was getting second guessed you know, of course, immediately. And people weren't even there. They didn't even know, but because of social media, they're blowing it up already saying, Oh, we saw this or we saw that. And you know, then the reports come out and you find out what really happened and Mm -hmm. how scary it really was. And it's a, I don't know how people recover from something like that. It's uh I you know I mean,
1: I can only you know guess from and talking to friends you know or whatever, but it just takes a lot of support, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, um, and hopefully the people that are around you and your loved ones are there for you because really that's all that matters, right, like I remember you and I and actually had this conversation like two years ago, I came in to talk to you guys about Darren, and you guys were going through some stuff, and you know. The people around you in your life circle, your family, they're they're the ones that really matter, right? Like when your loved ones, the ones that you love, that's whose opinion matters. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because you got twenty thousand other people out here on social media now that are just sandblasting you with stuff. And how do you get away from it? You know, and somebody's always talking about it. Whether you you know, and you can always tell. You know, around our area here, Grants Pass. Jackson County, whatever, something happens, people know who that police officer or that deputy is, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't hide. Like I, ch- I go to, I hang out in Jacksonville. Me and my wife hang out in Jacksonville a lot. You know, hopefully nobody really knows who I am. You know, some guys I know go to Ashland, but everybody knows who that guy is, right. you know, and they're you know, looking at him like, oh, yeah, that's that guy that shot that guy. Uh-huh. You know, that guy did this, or that's the cop that did this or whatever. You can't get away from it. And I guess that's just the, you know, I mean, that's when you have to find out, are you strong or is it not for you? Mm -hmm. You know, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I have never been in that situation, but I've talked to friends that have been in that situation that I work with and they're just like, man, you just got to kind of let it go. Yeah. Counseling and let it go. You know, you got to talk to somebody to hold it in.
0: Yeah. That's probably the worst thing you could do. Yeah. You just go talk to somebody and hopefully that you can get through it, man. You know? Okay, I've yet to hit one of these, and I don't think I've tried it since I moved the table. But I'm gonna go over the head and see if I can land this in the can bin without looking. We're not uh, even close. Wide. All right, stall. Wide folks. right. Because I feel we're we're a good spot. We're gonna keep the recorder rolling, but I gotta do refresh. You good? Yep. It's a I haven't taken a, a mid pod break in a while, so that felt good to kind of stretch out, get some blood flowing. This is a perfect transition because I wanted to ask you about you know we talked early in the podcast about going to work at at the school and being the school resource officer, mm-hmm. and, um, just what that's been like for you so far, and, and that experience being around the kids and you know I mean as I you know
1: I. I love the I do the Dare program. That's one of the things I absolutely love to do. Um I've had some people help me out, man, that have really, you know, took this thing to another level. <clears throat> so the Dare things I love going I just taught Dare today, May Richardson. And uh my son's in there, you know. It's his 5th grade class. So it's a take ownership by yeah, try not to, you know, pick on him too much, but yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a lot of his friends and kids that are at my house all the time, you know. And, you know, I go in there and I, one day one of the kids today said, like, hey, Coach Godley. And some girl goes, it's Officer Godley. And he's like, no, he's my football coach. <laughs> like, I can call him Coach Godley if I want, you know. <laughs> love it. And I love going to the high school, man, you know, coaching football over there. And all my boys walking around the hallways and stuff, you know. Um, kind of get to keep tabs on them, man. I get to just... uh Come in my office and ask for advice. You know, I, I, I haven't. It's been unbelievable the last five years. <clears throat> it's you know. I mean, some people say it's not police work. You know, SROs aren't police officers. You know, you guys aren't doing this. Well, if you want to come over and take the cases that I take at the high school, by all means, come do it. Mm-hmm. I'll be more than glad to let you take some. And you're still a police officer. You're just at the high school. You got it. And and I'm not there all day. Like a lot of times. uh you know i'll start out the day out on the streets helping out till somebody else comes into work you know or 10 o'clock shift comes in or whatever summertime i work the street just like everybody else um but it's been it's been kind of cool man to try to make a difference in kids lives you know um it's not like when we grew up the, the school district's different the school's different you know you you know i go to the middle school man and my buddy jay's a the dean over there and you'll see like kids just lined up in chairs man waiting to see him. you know for the most crazy things you know back when we were kids we would have got slapped upside the head or set outside and told to stand there till the end of the period you know and you would have stopped doing it and at you least for a little while it. yeah now you know you can't touch a kid you can't do this you can't do that and i guess their hands are tied more than what they were you know back in the day but it's super cool uh just being i got a little freedom you know to go to school to school to school and I've made great friendships and built great relationships with the school district people and the kids and got to go be involved in awesome things. And yeah, it's been awesome, man.
0: I'm curious, you know, as I was doing a little research and looking at the dare stuff, obviously dare has to do with drugs, but Mm -hmm. I noticed this time when I was looking it up, I saw the word bullying. You got that right. And it stood out to me because of a few things that have happened recently that mm-hmm. may be pretty close to us here. And um, it really got me thinking about like the involvement that you have in that. And, and mm-hmm. what are you doing there? So, you know, there's
1: a 11 week program. And then we have two weeks that we do dare essays because they're required to do a dare essay to be able to go to graduation and get their t-shirt and their certificate and go to dare day and all that kind of stuff. But bowling hits mm, less than eight, I think. So it's about two weeks away from me right now. And when that hits, that's when we take a little bit of time to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, we get a little more stern in our classes because it is a problem, man. You know, I mean, if you think about suicide with teenagers, even grade school kids you're hearing now. Off the charts. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. And I don't know that it's true bullying or if it is because you don't. I guess my thing is is like when I'm working at the school and I get a phone call from a parent saying my kid's being bullied. Okay, well, what's bullying? Are they, you know, is this kid just constantly riding your kid's ass, calling names, pushing, physicality, social media? Social media is huge, right? Like, that's where I'm getting most of my bully calls. Mm -hmm. But I take every one of them serious because I don't want to be that guy that cuts it short, and next thing this poor kid, something happens to it. I feel terrible, man, because I love kids. I mean, that's what I've done, like, since I started coaching when I was in Sophomore year in high school, mm-hmm. you know, so I've always tried to take every call serious from kids and parents at the school. But, you know, when you and I were kids and somebody bullied you, you wouldn't handle it. Right. Like if that kid was picking on me, we'd go outside to the bike rack or after school or it was going to get handled somehow, mm-hmm. some way. Now, it's not like that. Like it's a piss and match over social media or piss and match over my girlfriend. You know, this kid likes her and he made comments about her or whatever and nothing's done because they just keep talking and talking and talking and talking and it drags on. Right. Well then everybody wants a piece of the pie because they're seeing it. It's not like me and you have a beef. Where we're talking face to face. Everybody's seeing it on their Snapchat stories or Instagram or Facebook. So everybody starts getting involved in it, you know? And so it just spreads like wildfire, man. And it, it's a sad deal because I've seen true bullying, and I feel sorry for those kids because they don't deserve it, you know. And we talked about today a little bit of communication with our dare program, right? You have three things: you have an unsure, confident, and uh, com- uh, commanding, you know. And you don't. And I tell them you do know, you, If you're the unsure kid that doesn't have the self-esteem. It doesn't have the, uh, you know, you're not sticking up for yourself. You're going to be a target. That's just, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Cause that's where those commanding kids that are loud, violent, outspoken, they go to that kid that they know. It's, and I, and I try to use the analogy today in my classes, you know, you look at, you know, looking at the cheetah in Africa, right? What deer does he always get? the weakest it's one. the weakest one in the back right like the one that's not healthy the one that's not eating the one that's not taking care of itself the one that's not keeping up with the herd right and, and as people as human beings we shouldn't be thinning the herd i mean that's just ridiculous mm-hmm. but that's what happens when you're bullying man and it's not usually just one kid a bully will never go up to a group of kids and bully one kid out of that group he's only going to pick on one when he has the numbers and so, you know, we do a lot of lessons like that and life stories, man. You know, and I try to get a, I get these kids to just be quiet and stare at me for a minute. And if I can just see their eyes for about 20 minutes, I know I got them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But there's only five or six that I could tell that when they're a scenic, they're going to be a problem in the dean's office. I already know because they're not taking it serious and they don't care. You know, so, you know, bullying's a problem, man. Suicide's a problem with our young kids and it's just it's terrible. It really is. You know, I've lost some good kids that I knew growing up in Central Point to suicide. And it's it's a sad deal. Sad mm-hmm. deal. So I just go at it, man. I yeah. love the Dare program. There's so much to it. You know, like you said, it used to be drugs, right? It started in LA like back in nineteen eighty three, but now it's communication, decision making, bullying. It's not just Say no to drugs you know
0: and so many of those things are so important too and a lot yeah. of uh, kids aren't getting you know exposure to those things at home which is probably why they're causing an issue at school
1: you know hey I get parents that won't sign off on the waiver form so my kids not doing that program what I need to educate you about what the dare program is because it's not gonna hurt Mm-mm. You know, it's not going to be a bad thing for your kid to learn some stuff here. You know, and I, and I, every year I look and I see. You know, I got thirty kids in a class. If I could make a difference to two of them, I already won.
2: Yeah,
1: I won. You know, and you could tell which kids ain't getting the uh, getting the love at home. You know,
0: so and if they can just see the other side, talk to a couple of people about this. If if you can just get them to the point where they can see what's out there when you can look at it a different way, right? Mm-hmm. If you can stop looking at it as attack, 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 and actually like embrace and it's such a different world to live in, yeah. you know, and it's such a better world to live in. Absolutely. But obviously it stems from something, yeah, some insecurity probably, or mm-hmm. something going on at home, which is why they need to put, you know push themselves on someone else mm-hmm. but if they can just see it and just get a glimpse of what life can be like the other way around then it would i feel like it would change dramatically yeah and you know we we me and you talked about a little bit of this earlier
1: but you look at the lifestyle that parents live some of these parents you know the kid goes to his room plays video games all night parents are down playing video games there's nothing being taught man there's no No there's no love in the house yeah you know you're not sitting down on the couch watching movies together you know we're not talking at the dinner table come down grab your dinner go to your room you know dad's playing video games all day he ain't working man i don't i haven't really thought about it like that there's just there's no love man there's no there's you know and and honestly you know when i was growing up you know, you're kind of like, Oh dude, what are you talking about embracing? I ain't touching that dude. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm a total hugger now. Yeah. Like, I don't even know where it happened or how it turned, but I think it's just influences in your life. You mm-hmm. know, people that you surround yourself with. And I have a good friend now, He, you know, he works the sheriff's office man, and I try to shake his hand. It's like, hell no, dude, give me a hug. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, we hug each other and off we go about our business, but there's not enough of that in homes, you know? And and, I, and I'm like that still with my kids. Like, I'm like, hey, we're bros, you know, like I'm your dad, but I don't do enough hugging. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like now that my son's older and he's 20, going to be 21 soon, I mean, I hug him more now than I ever have before. That's awesome. But my younger kids, you know, my youngest, he comes on and lays my mom on the couch. Mom says, hey, you need to snuggle with him. I'm like, I'm not snuggling with him. I'm not making it awkward for him. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. that's not what I did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When I grew up, that's not what we did. I just sit on the couch with my dad and snuggle up, watch a movie. Yeah. You know, my dad's in his chair. I'm
0: on the couch or the floor. My mom's like, you know, whatever. Well, and there's probably a time though, right? There's like windows yeah. in time. Because yeah. if I think about my three, almost four-year-old inside, he'll do that now. But a couple of years from now, he's going to be like, dad, I want to sit over here and watch TV from here. Yeah. But or, then, then it all comes back around. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Once you, you know, get older and.
1: You know, actually, you know, when they get older and they get out of the house, you miss them, you know? Yeah. Like, you look, you're like, dang, man, you're looking up at your room, waiting for them to come out, and they don't come out anymore.
0: Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. That's a trip. Yeah. That's a trip, man. You know, I think about it. I was talking to Ashley this morning about it. It was after we we talked to her grandma, and she said something about, you know, she's doing her her silly bachelor update, and she's like, well, we we didn't talk. You know, and it really stuck out to me. She's like, we didn't talk. Yeah about stuff like that and I I cracked right back at her like well we talk about stuff now like that was then this is now we're talking about stuff now and it's it's funny because it came up a couple of times today and this is probably the third or fourth time that I've talked about it already because it really stuck out to me and one of the times I was thinking about it was today at lunch with my dad because my dad called in during the St. Jude Radiothon just broke down Mm -hmm. he doesn't do that and it was like okay he didn't grow up like we did where we kind of learned along the way, okay, it's okay. We can talk about these things or at some point we just decided we were going to talk about things anyway, you know, even though maybe we, we didn't see it or we weren't taught to and Mm -hmm. you just held things in. So all of a sudden I saw this like breakthrough there I'm like, man, all of a sudden I'm seeing the side of him I hadn't really seen before. So I don't know if we're rubbing off on him or what. Yeah. And, um, even doing this in here, you know, he's had a chance to listen to, I think he's listened to almost every episode and had a chance to learn some things that he didn't know. Yeah. And he's old school, right? He's 77. Mm -hmm. And so he, he, he grew up at a completely different time. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, it's okay to talk about things Mm -hmm. and it's okay to say how you feel about things. And it's not, uh, it's funny because there was someone else who came in today. My mind's bouncing all around, but we were just talking about, Like, it's okay to just say, like, say, don't let someone else make you feel bad about how you feel. Mm -hmm. Like, just say how you feel. And if you're having a tough time, just say something. Right. And it's amazing what that'll do for someone. Yeah. And then hug it out and be on your way and it could completely change someone's day. Just, just getting it out there and it's, it's all right to do. And it's for so long, I think we were just used to, it's you're not going to be a man. Well, you right. know what? There's some pretty manly dudes out there that aren't afraid to share and they live a pretty damn awesome life, you know? Yeah. Because they, like my grandpa's one of those guys. He just, he's always been a hugger. He mm-hmm. just, and maybe that's where I get it from. You know, it's just always been that way. And, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, my none of my family like that. Like my dad's mom and dad, <clears throat>
1: grandpa was a world war two veteran, worked at the mill, grandma, home body, you know, took care of the cooking, whatever. But come in, say hi, grandma, I'll give her a kiss on the cheek. You know what I mean? And I mean, my grandma's been gone since, shoot, 20 years, 25 years probably. But I still remember her feeling of her cheek, man. It's the weirdest thing. Like, because I remember Grandma Godley, like, you know, she's always sitting at her table, smoking her cigarette, and watching TV. You know what I mean? Hey, like, that's J.R. just how it was. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and she was always super sweet to us kids. But nobody ever really hugged and kissed in that family. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it just didn't happen. My dad didn't go hug his mom, you know, whatever, give mom sarcastic comments to mom and his dad, you know, joking around, and we'd all sit around and do our thing. My my mom's parents, my grandpa died early in my early childhood for me, like when I was, uh, I think I was eight, somewhere around eight, seven or eight. So then my grandma met my grandpa, who's been my grandpa really since I was eight. And he's not. He's hardcore, man. Like, grew up in Grants Pass up here off of Foothill. Uh, worked at um, Spalding Logging. when You know, uh-huh. his dad had a logging company. He'd been logging since he was 16. Just rough and tough, man. But the guy knows how to do everything. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, MacGyver. he can fix everything there is. Um, but my grandma's always been really close because when my dad was over in Korea in the Army, me and my mom lived with my grandma. So I take a lot of heat now because I talk to my mom... Pretty much every day like every day good for you my wife not so much you know what i mean you but don't talk to
0: your wife every day or she doesn't I t- talk, to her, I talk
1: to her every day but she doesn't talk to her parents you know gotcha. what i mean so it's really different but i've learned from her from sarah from my wife about talking hugging you know trying to be a little bit softer than what i am you mm-hmm. know what i mean like i've got that from her so my grandma I still talk to my grandma like all the time. She lives on Old Stage Road. She comes over and sees my kids. I mean, ninety years old, and she is just at it, you know. And but when we first got married and lived in North Carolina, and my wife be like, "Why's your mom calling all the time? Why's your grandma calling all the time? Nothing's changed since they called the last yesterday." You know what uh-huh. I mean? But I don't know. I just it's just one of those things. Like I was always so used to talking to them, and it just kind of carries on. It's like, it doesn't seem like it's a day goes by if we don't talk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyways, me and mom talk pretty much every day. Is that her right now? As you can see, dude. So, you know, she's you, calling for something.
0: You, you should answer it and tell her we're talking about. <laughs> oh no, she's probably
1: podcast. got something going on, man. <laughs> but you know, the wife, that is, crazy. you know, but, uh, you know, I've learned a lot of my, you know, the downfall for me is like I go to work and I communicate and I communicate and I communicate and I've never been a good communicator in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the last couple years, uh, I've tried to become a better communicator, you know, and I try to communicate with my boys, too, as much, you know, because there's a lot of things out there. And you say, oh, my kid's never going to do that. Well, watch out.
0: You know what I mean? Just when you think it's not going to happen. But I
1: don't want to be like the hard ass dad that's a cop and my kids do no wrong and I'm going to just punish you. I want to be able to sit down and talk about it and say, hey, dude, what's going on? Like, why are, why are you here? You know, in your lifetime, like, where are you at? You know, I want to make sure you're okay. You know, and one of my boys, he's super quiet. Like he doesn't talk very much, but so sometimes I'm like, dude, what's going on with you, man? Like talk to me What's he? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. No, come on, man. What's going on? You know what I mean? Like you got to really pull it out of him. My yeah. wife's pulling it and I'm pulling, but we try to really be, you know, be uh open communication with our kids, you know, and you know, something happens, you got to call us. We're not going to chew your ass right now, but later we'll take care of it. But at that point we're going to come make sure you're safe. and You're going to come home. Yeah. I think that's important. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll talk about the consequences later of why you're being a, idiot yeah. you know <laughs> we've but, all been there yeah and we've all done it
0: but um yeah the communication thing man how's huge. it going for you since you've tried to do a better job with the with a relationship is it, it have you seen a change and i have man
1: i have you know and it's uh it's it's scary you know to be i guess like for me that i come home and just like usually when i come home man i'm just like wore out you know what i mean like your day on the street is just up and down. You don't know what you're going to see. And sometimes you get those calls for you're at the highest of high. And the next thing you know, you're at the lowest of lows, you know, and it just, you get home you're, or you have a, you know, high stress call somewhere or
0: whatever. By the time you get home man, your adrenaline dumps and you're just like, yeah, that's just want to sit down. And for you me, know? especially talking for a couple of hours, it's what am I sharing? like what information is worthy of me sharing. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't need to recap my morning show when I get home. Mm -hmm. I already said it. I already heard it. If you want to hear it, turn it on. Yeah. And you know, there may be a few things that stand out that were important for one reason or another, but also having advertising clients that I talk to all day long after that. So I have just like all these conversations and then you have to decide, okay, which ones are worth bringing up or is it just bringing someone down or is it some cool story to share and then I'm like, well, you never told me about that. Well, I, I didn't, you know, which <laughs> I didn't think you'd really care which about. Which, if that. you want to know about it, yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. But it's the learning process, especially for us guys. And even though I would mm-hmm. like to think I'm a decent communicator, there's still so much to learn. Absolutely.
1: And you know, I, t- I do that. I kind of go through the same thing, man. I'm like, uh, why do you tell me? Why didn't I didn't really think it'd be that big of a deal, you know? But I, and then I, and then I'm not a real good listener either at that point. Like, she wants to tell me something that's important to her. I need to listen. But at the same time, like, my mind's in, like, 10 different places of thinking about what I just did today, what I need to do tomorrow. Like, that's me. Like, I try to, like, prioritize my thinking, you know, process, but uh-huh. it doesn't always work. So I like getting these la-la lands. Like I just, I, I, I just geez, told I just told. I got to be structured. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have to be one job at a time. Let's accomplish this, and then we'll go to the next one, the next, the next one. Because that's how we think. Yeah, in our house lately has been chaotic. We're putting in tile flooring, we gotta build the pig barn, we gotta do this that and I'm just like, you know, I lay down in bed at night and I'm like, What am I doing? Like, what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh yeah. And I feel bad because there's been lots of times I've put her stories and her stuff on the back burner and uh, you know, thank God that she understands what an idiot I am sometimes and she still loves me.
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes I've just said, especially recently, I'm like, I just forgot. Yeah. Like I got nothing. I, I just forgot. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I know you told me you need me to do this. I know you I know you told me. I remember you telling me. Yeah. I just didn't remember the day after. Did you like, go to I, Costco? Yeah. What'd you get?
1: Everything but uh what? the one thing you told me to get. Uh huh. <laughs> I feel like I just had that happen last yeah, week. I too. did. Did you get cat litter? No. But I got a 36 pack. <laughs> 30 I got $200 of other stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. <laughs> I
0: got the steaks. That was
1: the, <laughs> I got the New Yorks. At least we have dinner tonight,
0: right? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It is. It's a constant learning process. But so many things that I don't think that we would have ever thought we would, you know, be dealing with necessarily. Mm -hmm. But obviously, a lot of that stuff's important, you know, to figure out and how to make it work for a long period of time, especially when it comes to relationships and also your kids because you have them forever.
1: Yeah, you do. And, you know, you you want them to leave the house knowing what a relationship should be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I haven't done a good job of that, you know. And I know it. I feel back. I look, and I go, God, that was a real stupid thing. You know, like, I hope my kid doesn't really pick that up on me. You know, I hope he'd be a little bit better. You know, right? Because we always want our kids to be better than us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be competitive with my kids. I want my kids to make more money. I want them to have a bigger house. I want them to have a better life. You know, I want them to do better than I do. I mean, that's the goal. We set them up to do, you know, better than we are, you know. And uh, so it starts with the communication process, you know.
0: Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day about the effects of trying to help them do better, and if we're really doing the right thing to help them do better, because mm-hmm. there's this whole generation that was attempting to do that, or I felt like they were, and some did a really good job of it, but also some did such a good job that, of providing, let's say, mm-hmm. that it actually I feel like hurt them because too much was provided, to where there's this whole generation that expects to have the flat screen, the newest phone, the newest video game console. Because we wanted, as a society, we wanted to be able to provide these things because mm. maybe as kids we didn't have them. So I've really been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, It was it too much, like we did too well, mm. and it actually had the reverse effect. Yeah. And that's something I struggle with all the time because... I mean, you're sitting in the garage here. There's one, two, three, four, five, six bicycles, which we have four kids, so I can kind of justify that. But one, two of them have batteries. There's two scooters that have batteries, which those scooters (laughs) are mine, by the way. But there's a little dirt bike over here. And, you know, without saying too much of all what's in here, there's plenty of things to use and have fun with. And I didn't necessarily have those things. I didn't even have a quad until I sold enough pigs Mm -hmm. to have the money to buy one. And so... I I think about it a lot. Like, am I providing too much because you want them to have some skin in the game and be Mm -hmm. responsible and not feel like things are owed to them. And I talk to them about it a lot because I feel like I have to, because if not, then they're going to be 16 and where's my brand new car. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not, you're not getting a brand new car. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Fine line, right? Like,
1: like, like I was just saying, you have more than what you had when you were a kid. And now your kids are having more than what you had. Mm-hmm. So hopefully their kids have more than what they have. You know what I mean? But we, at this and, and while this whole thing's going on, we got to teach them how they get it, you know, and we're not just like, here, you can do this with no consequences. Yeah. You know, so it's a real fine line for us parents to make sure that we're giving them the stuff, you know, that they want, or they, you know, to have fun with and we can do as a family. But, Are the grades good? Mm -hmm. Are you being a good human being at school? You know, which sometimes I think is more important than your grades a lot of times. Like, if you're being a good student and you're getting, hey, this your kid's such a great kid, nice kid. I never have any problems with them. Helps out other kids in class. I'll take that over an A every day. Absolutely. Every day. Because in the long run, my kid's still going to go to college if they want to. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, but is my kid a good human being? You know, I'd rather have people come and say, hey, man your kid is the nicest kid that I've met. Like he's so polite. He says, thank you. I really appreciate him. Come over to my house. I'll take that all day. Yeah. And if my kid's doing that, I don't have a problem with buying them motorcycles, helping them out, taking them to sporting events, you know, going camping, getting them a rifle, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, be in, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's our progression, man. I think that's what we should shoot for.
0: Yeah, and also a value in understanding that the things aren't necessarily yeah. the most important. Yeah, you know, because we can all work to the bone and have the things, but then if you have all the things and there's no substance behind the scenes, then it's pretty much pointless.
1: Dude, it's the can't buy me love stuff, man. And it's so true. It's I, I just had this conversation with somebody at work, you know, and I said, you know, you could you could buy everything you want for people but if they don't feel the love it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. you know I can go buy my kids motorcycles and send them outside and ride but if they don't know that they're loved or that I'm there for them what's the purpose
0: yeah
1: it it doesn't matter
0: yeah I I joke about selling everything and jumping in the gently used (laughs) Winnebago and I not threatened it but I was joking about it a couple of months ago and I told my wife I said you know I've been at this for a while now You know, the radio thing and love it and Mm -hmm. love what we get to do. We get to do some pretty awesome things. But I said, you know, part of me wants to take like three months and just sell a bunch of stuff off and jump in that RV and just take a couple months to go across the country and just think about what's really important. Yeah, and come back and see what the perspective is. Sure. And there's a lot of companies out there that encourage their employees to take some kind of sabbatical. Of like, after you've been here for X amount of time, mm-hmm. you need to go, go away, and then come back. You're going to come back with fresh ideas. You're going to come back refreshed. You're going to have a new perspective on things. And yeah, it's something I definitely want to do at some point. I just don't know when that time's going to be. Obviously, with all of the kids, it's difficult. But, sure. But yeah. part of me is like, even if it was in the summer, and say, listen, I need to. I need a couple months and let's figure out how to make this work. And even if we had to spin it somehow to make it entertaining for the radio show, which I'm sure we could do is just go for it just to, cause I think everybody kind of needs to be able to step back somehow and mm-hmm. maybe not for three months, but just to just catch your breath. Man, I'd be happy to do it for a week right now. Yeah. You know
1: what I mean? Like I guess like if you could take your kids and just drive, I mean you could go five hours north of here, west side of Portland and show them things and be like, you should be thankful for what you have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's places all over this country, you know, down south or, you know, wherever. And you drive through a, a neighborhood and just let your kids sit back and look at what those kids are playing with.
0: Yeah. You know? You yeah, you want to roll through certain areas. Like, we've been to Memphis a lot. And you go through and you see, you know, 100 teddy bears tied to a phone pole. And that represents kids that didn't make it on the streets. hmm Talk about. I mean, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. Like, there's yeah. some. I mean, you know, there's areas that are straight up dangerous. Yeah. And uh, it's a whole different world. I mean, I would love to go to Chicago and see it, but then I don't.
1: You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm coming. You don't out want to be in a war zone. I don't again, know if I'm right? coming out of that place. You know. Yeah. But I just, I just, uh, that's one thing I really hope is my kids understand how grateful they are for where we live. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I don't. Like I complain about our house. Like I'm like, honey, like. I want to move to the Applegate. Like, let's get out of here. She's like, "Look at what we have, you know. Look what we have. You should be thankful for what you have." And I step back and I'm like, "Man, we should. Mm-hmm. We really should because both of us are blessed with great jobs and stuff, you know." And I don't know, you know. Sometimes I mean, you shouldn't always want more, but I guess that's the goal, you know. Sometimes, yeah, you're always like, oh, "I could do this or I could do that or I want to get this or I want to get that," and reality is, <laughs> you're in a pretty damn good spot.
0: Yeah. Well, and then when you put in all the time to get those things, you take up all of the time where you could be doing other things yeah. and just enjoying it. Like I was talking about just being outside last night, like, wow, that was pretty refreshing. You yeah. know, not go, 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 just relaxing, looking around, and going, Okay, fresh air, beautiful sunset. Yep. Enjoy what you this, have right this here. This is what it is. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about The 2018 Southern Oregon Best of the Best Award for Law Enforcement Officer. Uh Uh-oh. How'd that feel?
1: It was cool, man. You know, like, I don't know that it's a super huge deal, you know, but uh, it was cool that people went on and voted for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you you kind of feel a little love. Mm -hmm. You know, that was cool. You know, The year before, I lost to a a guy that just retired. And then, uh, you know, I win it. It was cool. You know, like I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Like just to see the pe- how many people voted for me and stuff, and I had a little bit of inside, you know, afterwards. So I was like, man, how many votes did I really get? You know what I mean? Oh, really? Like, and it wasn't even close. Like, wow. I mean, and it was like, man, that's super cool. You know, but it, I guess a award like that, a lot of times, it's just a popularity contest. You know, but I'm super grateful that people voted for me and took the time to do it you know what mm-hmm. i mean well because
0: like, it could be a reflection of your work you know their what, what their perception is sure. of what you're doing
1: sure and uh i don't know i mean i just think that i go out and i do things like everybody else you know what i mean like every other police officer every day um but i guess when you, you kind of win an award like that it's like yeah maybe i did something a little bit different or a little bit better mm-hmm. or i made a difference. You know, doing what I'm doing now at the school, you know. Um, but it was cool, man. Like, I got to enjoy it with some a good friend of mine because they won an award that night, you know. So we had a little bit of a little sippy sip, uh, you know, beverages and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just went all out, man. I had a good time over there. And then this last year, I lost to the sheriff. I got runner-up. and But it's still cool, you know, just to think that people were even nominating me, you know. Yeah. I don't know who did it. But I thank them, you know, it was super cool. And, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, man, you need to, you know, put this out there and ask for votes and do this. I said, yeah, it's not what it's all about, man.
0: Never going to ask for a vote.
1: Not going to do that. Like I could just being like mentioned, I guess, for something like that is cool for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know, I guess just people in Central Point, man, and around the Valley, dude, I just, I know so many people and. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy just going and chatting with them and having a good time. You know, yeah. I try, I guess one thing for me, like when I became a cop, I remember I told my wife is she said, well, you shouldn't do that. I said, you know what? I'm not changing. I want people to know me as J.R., not as officer godly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want to change my life, you know, and, and have to look over my shoulder or watch what I'm doing. I know I'm doing things right. Like I know if I go out and I have drinks, that I'm not going to drive home mm-hmm. and make an ass of myself. I know that I'm not going to get so intoxicated in a public place that I'm going to make an ass of myself. You know what I mean? But I want to fit in. I want people to be able to come up to me at Bella union or whatever, shake my hand, tell me who they are. You know, Hey, I know you from this and that or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, and it's fine with me. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be known as officer Godley all the time. You know, I want people to just look at me and say, Hey man, that is officer Godley, but Hey, how you doing JR? You yeah. know? So, I don't know, man. I guess it's just kind of a be nice and respect people and they're going to be nice and respect you back. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's the vibe I get from you. So, I mean, I feel like you're JR.
1: Yeah, I dig it, man. I I, I do. I I appreciate it, you know. I appreciate when you guys ask, you know. You guys take the time on, you know, St. Jude stuff. You guys take the time to mention everybody that's helping you. We try, man. That's that's hard. It's huge, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's huge for anybody. I mean, for me, you know, being, I consider you guys as friends. I mean, if you don't mention me, I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when I'm listening to it and my son and I are in the truck, because my youngest son, every morning, that's what we turned on when we went to school, right? Like you and Ashley, like he turns it on. Like he knows. That's cool. He knows what we're doing in the morning, right? So when you guys mention that stuff, I think other people are just like, hey, that's it. That's why I do it. You know what I mean? Like they don't forget me. And so I'm going to do it, you know, and that's cool, dude. That's you guys think about how much money came through.
0: Yeah. That's unbelievable. Well, it's all of us, you know, and that's the, that's the amazing thing, man. I'm, I'm so, it's hard. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Like just me thinking about it is, uh, it's crazy to see what we're capable of. Yeah. And I know we're always capable of more and Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about St. Jude when we're talking about the grand scheme of things, what are we really capable of? And then trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to channel energy to put time towards certain things because St. Jude and what we do for St. Jude is a very small, you know, piece of the puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time throughout the year, but there's two days a year where we put all of our energy. And then there's a few other days where we do golf tournaments or whatever, Mm -hmm. but we see what we're capable of as a community Mm -hmm. and we're the mouthpiece and we're able to rally people around us. But in the grand scheme of things, like what are we really capable of? And that's where I feel like we've only scratched the surface. And I say, we like as the community, like how do we do a better job? Mm -hmm. Right. As a whole, like how do we take that small sample size that really isn't small? I mean, it's a, it really is a powerful thing. Right. But like, how do you take that to a grander scale of like the bullying stuff that you're talking about or doing a better job, mentoring our kids? Like, that's what I think about a lot. I'm just not quite sure how that all comes together Mm -hmm. but there's been a lot of backroom conversations about stuff like that and I think that there's I mean as a community what are we doing Mm -hmm. like who are we and what are we doing and when do we decide to do more and Mm -hmm. how do we do that because there's so many people out there who want to do more they're just not sure how maybe they haven't been asked or whatever and so Mm -hmm. yeah I just think there's so much more to be done I mean obviously there's more to do always but
1: it always is And, and it's You know, you talk about building a structure, you know, when you, when you, uh, you know, you're growing up in any job, right? Like you have a supervisor or trainers or whatever, and you take a little bit, like you probably took something from another DJ and a little bit from this guy and a little bit from this guy and a little bit from this guy, you know, and that's how we build ourselves. You know, like when I got hired at the police department, I got trained by him, him, him and him. And I took a little bit from him and I like what he's doing and I like what he's doing. And I took a little bit of that to myself. Well, even now. I'll go out on a call with a younger guy and I'm like, dude, I like how he did that. So mm-hmm. I take a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So when you guys talk about the whole you know, St. Jude thing and you branch out and you take a little bit and then that person takes a little bit and the other person takes a little bit and then it just kind of just starts growing, right? And I think that everybody, you, you, con, you continuously learn, right, from each other and the people you surround yourself by. So I don't think that ever stops. Like some people just stop. Like they don't want to learn anymore. They don't want to grasp. They don't want to, you know, reach out and do anything, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always have crazy ideas. Like I come up with some stinking thing and I tell my wife, hey, I think we should do this. Like she's looking at me, well, where in the hell did you get that? Well, I learned it from this person mm-hmm. and this person. And then I came up with this part of it, you know. And uh, I, th- I just think that we never stop and we shouldn't. Because right. that's what makes us a better people. You know, like you surround yourself with better people, then you need to absorb it. So you guys, you know, you guys went through some different things the last couple of years with that situation. And then you built it. You grabbed some more people, some more people, which leads you to some more people. And it just now, man, I mean, holy crap. Yeah. $401,000. Like, who does that? Yeah, You know, I mean, for me in the D.A.R.E. program, when I took it over five years ago, I had you know, it was like a thousand dollars, you know, and then me and Nikki worked together and we got it to 16,000. So incredible. for me, which is not a whole lot of money right in the grand scheme of what you guys do and what we do. But what I can do with that money on, you know, May 29th of this year for D.A.R.E. Day, mm-hmm. what I could do with that, take all three schools out there in D.A.R.E. Day. And show them a great time. I spend all my money on the kids. Yeah. Like, I don't spend, I, we do, we don't keep any money and they're just like, Hey, we're partying. Yay. You know, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like Troy comes out and runs the DJ and you know, he's a teacher at Richardson now. Yep. And, and he used to work for us. Yeah. So he comes and does a DJ and hope used to do it for me. Right. Cause yeah. she worked at MRE. So they do that and they get the kids dancing and all the teachers are freaking out and, you know what I mean? And the water slides and they're getting muddy and wet and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, we're having a great time. That's, you that's so what you want. That's what it's about, that. man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't go out and do it for myself. It's for the kids. And that's what people need to understand. You know, we do it for other people. It's not for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. I just think a lot of times we just stop learning, Yeah. you know, about everything.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's just, frankly, there's people who don't want to. And there's people yeah. that are closed minded to things and there was even a, an example that i can think of that's very fresh on my mind where you know it happened last week right in the middle of the two days of amazing things that were going on that um you know that i have to be careful but there there's one situation where someone got very upset with what we're, we were doing and how it impacted their business and they felt negatively and i don't understand yeah, I don't understand how you could turn the radio on last week and think that that was a negative. And I will never say in public who it was. Check reality, people. But you know what I mean? When you make your what you're doing, and it comes down to money, right? Mm-hmm. When you, you make it all about that and you can't step back and see what's happening for the greater good, then you got to you got to really check yourself yeah. and ask yourself what's important. Because if I ever get to that point, I hope someone smacks me upside the head.
1: Yeah. It's
0: like, it's embarrassing to me.
1: Yeah. You don't want to go out and you get these sponsors, right? Because people want to put money just to be that dude. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we want to be the people that did that. No, I want you to give me money for the sponsor of what I'm doing. Cause you want to, you whether feel it's going on, or it's a dare program or it's a football program or whatever. I want you to do it because you're feeling that you're doing the right thing for the kids, mm-hmm. not for your business. You know what I mean? Like I get people like that in a smaller scheme of things. Well, what are you going to do for me if I give you this money? Exactly. Forget it. I don't what? want it. I don't like, want it. Peace out. Yep. You know what I mean? I'll go down here and I'll talk to Joe Schmo, your competitor. Or, th- or three more people yeah. if we need to if just I to make to. up for it. Yeah. I don't need it. I don't need you to ask me what I'm gonna do for you if you give me money for the kids. Yeah, you know, you can eat your banner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's roll it up. Yeah, and whack. You Here know. you go, bud. <laughs> well, That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, but it was it was it, wild, dude. Listening to it this year, you know, there was times I literally had to pull off the side of the road, like I couldn't handle it. Yeah, I was talking to this kid. He he comes over to our house all the time. You know, he's friends with my kid. And He's like, JR, did you go do that today? I said, Yeah, man, went down there and helped out. And he goes, dude, I was on my way to school. And like I never listening to when they're talking. I always switch it from music to music to music back and forth, right? And I'm like, well, that's a lot of what you high school kids do. Like you Mm -hmm. never listen to what's going on. He's like, no, but I turned it on and they're telling one of these moms was telling a story about their kid. He goes, dude, I had to pull over at Richardson and sit there and listen to it. And I thought, hell yes. Yeah, he like, did. Like, that was it, right? Like, that was the moment I was like, yes, thank you. Because that's what he, that's, you know, that was an impact on him. Uh-huh. That kid's going to be like, holy shit, every year now, St. Jude comes on, I will guarantee that he's listening.
0: Yeah. It was cool, man. And it hopefully so cool. something he finds in himself to be a part of something bigger than himself at yeah. some point, whether it's that or something else. Yeah, You know? It was cool. I guarantee it was a
1: changing moment for him. Yeah, that's crazy. It's man. It gives me, me the chills hearing you say that. Because yeah. we,
0: I mean, we, we, you know, I hear from you, mm-hmm. I hear from other people that say, you know, what the impact is mm-hmm. on them, uh, which is a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and it's 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 awesome. But those stories that you never hear yeah. or wouldn't hear most, you know, ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. But that's a uh, that's a good one. It was a cool deal,
1: dude. Like I never really thought about. Who else is listening? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I always think about what I'm listening to or what stories, you know, or, you know, it's sad. It really is. You know, I've had uh, <clears throat> a friend that had their son go to St. Jude. And then, you know, when my brother, when I was, my brother was seven, I was a sophomore in high school. He was diagnosed with leukemia. So he didn't go to St. Jude, but he was at Doernbecher's, right? And that's pretty much where my parents lived for the majority of my sophomore season. Like, It started in baseball that whole summer into my junior year. I mean, I was driving and I wasn't even out of license because that's the only way I could get to school,
0: wow. you know. Yeah, See, so it took us 90 minutes to get that out of you tonight. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a sad deal, man. Like, I, I will never forget it, you know. And I was just with him tonight that uh, on before here, you know, we went and got some lumber because we're going to build a pig barn tonight this weekend. Yeah, and he's got two, and so he did, look. he did fine. Yeah, got remission. Um, had a skin graft because my dad bought a little puppy and it scratched his face and he couldn't fight it, you know, so he took some skin and we used to tease him. Hey, your brother the one with the scar on his face. Yeah, that's my brother. Scar face. But I'll never forget when he was going through it, man, what the kids did for him in that town, putting little baskets out for him, you know, at the markets, you know, raising money for him. Wow. Yeah. My little brother did I that, had man. no idea. Yeah. Dornbecker's for months and months and months.
0: Yeah, months,
1: and uh you know, they thought radiation. You know, you're never gonna have kids, man. You've got two little girls and a little boy.
0: Figured what? out how to make it work, huh? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. cool, man. Yeah, that's good cool. for him. Yeah,
1: but you know, and you know, we used to donate to Dornbeckers all the time because that's what our, you know, that's where he was. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Yeah, it was you know, cool
0: it's, to hear. Uh, Jennifer Elliott come in from KOBI 5 and talk about her son, and she hadn't talked about it publicly. Yeah. It was a big deal for her. But for her to say, hey, my kid's at Dornbecker, but they're using the protocol from St. Jude, it really, I think, drove the point home of how many kids are really being treated because of the work we're doing, you know, and, yeah, it's crazy. It's unbelievable, man. That
1: place is just unbelievable. I don't know. You know, that fog line comes in, Dustin racks up that song, dude. Like,
0: by the way, facebook.com slash Q Crew. That's my cheap plug. If you haven't seen it and you're listening to this podcast, you have yeah. got to go check it out. Look for Fogline and that performance, their performance, and then my buddy Michael on Friday night with uh, yeah. Chris from Cover Three. Those two, that was cool. Those two performances, lights yeah. out. Yeah, and it was that Fogline song. He nailed it. Yeah, and he wrote a he wrote a masterpiece. That was
1: a that was, it was a beauty, man. You know that guy's been talented since we were kids. Yeah, when we were at me Richardson. In grade school, I think it was fifth grade, uh, our music teacher knew Dustin was talented, right? Like, I was in choir, but I was, like, the, you know, dipstick in the back of the choir. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hadn't seen worth a crap, but I was just in choir to be in choir. Right. I usually got kicked out for talking, you know? <laughs> and somehow Dustin always made it through. I don't know. But... um he, you know, he went on and did some voices and some children books and stuff when he was younger. Oh, right. You know, that's how talented this dude is. And, uh, you know, we both grew up Seahawk fans and, you know, we went to Hunter Safety together. We got our Hunter Safety car together, man. I remember his mom picking us up in their big blue car, you know, listen to Hank Williams Jr. And that's what me and him did, man. You know, so I've known Dustin for a long ass time. Yeah. And uh, we he's a talented dude. He is, and he has a heart of gold, man, you know. So he just uh, he nailed that thing. Yeah. I literally pulled over. I was on my way to get a massage, to be honest, on Friday. And I was, like, sh- 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 cruising down. I thought, hey, Dustin's going to sing right on. I thought, whoa, whoa. I pulled over in Tinseltown parking lot and took a minute, you know. I was like,
0: damn. That's powerful.
1: It was awesome, you know.
0: Then you really needed that massage.
1: I did. I walk in, she's in the ladies look at me. Wait, what's wrong with you? you okay today? Allergies? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Sit down. We need to talk. I yeah. need to talk about something. You
0: got a counselor back there too? <laughs> <laughs> little guy going to walk out of the little secret door somewhere? Yeah. Uh, well, man, I've kept you for over 90 minutes already, and uh, I'm sure you got to get home at some point. Dude, it's awesome, man. I appreciate
1: you having me yeah it's good just to sit and
0: chat yeah it's been awesome yeah learning some things i didn't know and yeah yeah there's some cool cool things and man doing great work though yeah man you guys too it's cool dude hopefully we can uh partnership in something for some kids yeah know? i'd love to that'd be awesome yeah you know, i was just talking to michael about that the other night when he was in here michael d lagrange mm-hmm. and some of the cool things he's working on and and like I said, there's just so many things we can do. It's just finding finding the time and and getting things lined up to make it work. But yeah, just trying to identify those things that can help the community out, sure. and do better. And yeah, we have a pretty good thing going. So it's just you know how to use that platform to make things better. Absolutely. You know, there's so much noise out there, and you and I were talking right before we started recording about you getting rid of your Facebook page just because of the noise. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm so tired of the noise. You know. Yeah. I know how I feel about things. I'm open yeah. to other people's ideas, but I don't want to yell at someone. I don't want them to yell at me. Mm-hmm. And so I've just decided, you know, like with this platform here, it's like, let's just talk about things. Try and put some positivity out there and just talk about what's going on and yeah, put some good out in the world and see what happens.
1: Yeah, hopefully we can make a difference, man. Yeah. That's it.
0: What do you, uh, if I was to ask you like one bit of advice for someone like growing up, thinking about the world we live in, what do you say? I tell,
1: you know, a lot of kids, I <clears throat> talk to, you know, football kids, especially, you know, whether it's on a trip or whatever. And I always tell them, you know, if you get a chance to give to another kid, you know, basically, you know, hey, I'm, you're a high school football player. If that little peewee comes up to you and wants to talk to you, you make sure you have time for them. Don't turn your back, because if you can, the the one time you turn and look at them, and you give it, they'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You turn and walk away. They're never to forget, forget it. So make sure you know you always have time for somebody. I I remember man when I was a kid just going up talking to the varsity basketball players you know or whatever. And I'm like, holy hell, look at the size of these dudes. But They were superstars yeah, in our eyes, right? Um, yeah, but they, they take the time, you know what I mean, to to talk to you. So I always tell those guys, hey, man, see that kid over there? Go play catch with him. You know, they're here watching you right now. Go say hi to him. Give him a high five, you know. Just have time for him. So that's it, man. That's a good one. You know. That's a really good one. That's it. I try to make time for, you know, everybody. I try not to just walk away. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard so sometimes. That's how you make an impression. Yeah. You know, some some kids need it. For sure. That's it.
0: Do you want to go on record as saying that Matt Smith from Grant's Pass hit you harder than anyone ever hit you on the football field? Since it hit me we were... harder than anybody ever has. We were talking about that right before we started yeah. the podcast. I'm like, damn it, this was good quality content. We were, we were just shooting the shit, yeah. which is why I usually don't talk a lot before, but we just started talking. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what, like if you, you know, you
1: hear stories like you blow snot bubbles, you get decleted, whatever. I felt like I got all of them in one shot. I'll never forgive him. Yeah. Or your cousin. <laughs> or my cousin. That Brian, if you ever listen to
0: this, you still
1: owe me beers. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, we were just reminiscing back to the good old days of some of the stellar athletes and you mentioned Scott Logue. Yeah. And I remember that, I mean, I'll never forget watching Matt Smith throw a bullet to him. Full length of the basketball court. And I was telling you this right before right. we came on too, and Scott Logue jamming at home in a playoff game in a sold out. And at that time, it was, it had to have been the old. When did they build the new high school here in Grants Pass? Was it '98 that it opened? Yeah, it was. So it was that. before that. 94. So it was the old gym then. '94 is Matt Smith's senior year. But I just remember that place just packed to the rafters. Yeah. You know it's a little fuzzy some of the details, but it was rocking. Dude, that place was loud, man. And, uh, I hated playing there. The oh, kids yeah. were right on top of you, oh, man. They still you know? are. It's just new. He tried to shoot a free throw, and
1: everybody's like right there. Yeah. It used to drive me nuts, man. Yeah. That yeah. and Mazama. You know, I was, I was listening, to, listening to the Quirks, you know, when he was here with you talking, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about Mazama, and I thought, man, I hated that place. <laughs> I hated that place. I mean, I had some guys I really liked, but I hated that place. They, were, they hated us, you know. My senior year in football, they slashed our – bus seats. Wow. Damaged our bus. I mean, just asinine stuff. You know what I mean? Like spitting on us in basketball, like making fun of us. You know, I mean, it was brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. I hated that place.
0: It's funny to look back now though. And like you, when you, you said Scott works with you yeah. and some of these other people that are in the community and it's just interesting to, you know, look back 20 years and go, oh, wow, we're all here in the same community. But some of us idolize yeah. some of these players watching, you know, Jamie Stevens and You know, here in Grants Pass, like the Blanchards and all those, you know, stellar athletes over the years, in the same way in Medford too. Sure, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. Sports is a different, different story, man.
1: Yeah, you learn so much and you meet so many different people, and you know, you used to hate them when you played for them, and now you might be friends with them. You know?
0: Yeah, I ended up living with uh, an arch rival uh, that went to Riddle, and Glendale and Riddle are like. Grand Medford. It's sure. like you, that doesn't, doesn't, you don't coexist. And so I ended up having a guy from Riddle who I ran cross country against. And we both ended up going to state. We ended up being roommates for a good couple of years. And after the fact, like all of us hung out, like yeah. all these guys, from Oakland, Riddle, you know, uh, all the way up to young So It was pretty cool. You know, after high school, being able to hang out with some of those people. Yeah. But it's that, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know if you learn
1: more from anything else. Yeah. Than sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least I didn't, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's how I learned to communicate with people and get along with different dudes. Yeah. You know, you go to college and you're like, holy shit, where'd this guy come from? Hey, know, uh, Tillamook, Oregon. What? <laughs> Freaking cheesehead. Like, what, what are you doing up there? You know? Yeah. And then dudes from Eastern Oregon, they are different cats too. Like, yep. you're
0: like. Oh. And especially if you get to ever go home with them, yeah. you know, that's cool if you have a chance to travel and, and take off and go see what they're all about, yeah. you know, and experience a little something different. Yeah. But. Well, I guess we should probably wrap it up, huh? This All is right, man. solid, man. This is a good one. It was this good. Just, it was good times. Not only was it good, but it was uh, one of the longest ones yet, which yes. is a sign of, you know. We covered some good business. Thing. Yeah, we definitely did. Yeah. Anything else you yeah. want to touch on before? I yeah, want to man. let you out of out of yeah. here if there's something
1: you're. Dude, I just appreciate you guys, man, everything you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Absolutely. Happy to have you over, and uh, you're welcome to come over anytime. You can come over when the sun's out one of these times. Oh, yeah and uh, have a cold one let's do it alright there you go it's Jr. Godley it's episode 25 and you can find it on Apple Google Podcast Stitcher Spotify Tune in GarageTalkPodcast.com Instagram Facebook it's Garage Talk Podcast with Jason Allen and it's only taken me 25 episodes to rattle those all off without messing up I don't know if you're good luck or if yeah. if I'm just finally figuring it out yeah baby Alright, there you go. You can subscribe, you can rate the podcast, give it five stars if you wouldn't mind. And it's J.R. Godley, Central Point Police Department, and uh, good dude. Thanks for coming over. Thanks, man. Appreciate you.